You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now, here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to podcast episode number 39. This is for Monday the 28th of November 2016. My guest this week is Andrew Bromley, Marketing Manager at Ingram Content Group. If you want to get your books ordered by traditional bookshops and libraries, then you'll need an alternative solution to publishing via Amazon's CreateSpace service. It's all to do with the ISBN numbers and the distribution channels, and it's a topic that really confuses and trips up new indie authors time after time. Put simply, you need to use a service like IngramSpark in conjunction with Nielsen for your ISBNs to access the traditional distribution channels. As the marketing manager at Ingram Content Group, Andrew Bromley is familiar with every question that indie authors could possibly ask about printing on demand with the company. When we spoke for the podcast, I started by asking him how Ingram Spark actually works with indie authors. I guess the first thing to to, to, to know is Ingram Spark's been around around three years, and uh, Ingram and, and obviously Lightning Source aren't new to the world of working with independent publishers and independent authors. But what Ingram Spark does um, that, that Lightning Source doesn't, for example, it does both print and ebooks. So what it allows independent authors or independent publishers to do is load a print-ready PDF and have their EPUB file loaded in IngramSpark. And what IngramSpark will do, it will distribute it to the 39,000 retailers, wholesalers, libraries that Ingram have connectivity to. So it's you know even though we do print books in IngramSpark, I think the main thing is to think about it as a distribution solution for content, whether that's an e an EPUB for an e-file or a print PDF or a printed book. So um, Ingram Spark, we don't make a we don't make a distinction deliberately between a author and a publisher. It is really for anybody who wants to independently publish um, that Ingram Spark is for. And the content in terms of the way it's distributed and you know where it's sent to in terms of printing is exactly the same whether you're you know joe blogs with one book or whether you're a multinational publisher using our bigger uh, you know sister company lightning source and have many hundreds of thousands of titles they're treated exactly the same did i hear you correctly just then did you say thirty nine thousand? Mm. so basically in terms of the uh, infrastructure of ingram uh, ingram spark Really, you know, a lot of the many of the businesses um, that Ingram have developed is built around uh, around the core engine of, of what Ingram was about in its foundation. So, you know, in the in the early 1960s, um, Ingram really was a, a a traditional wholesaler, a traditional distributor in that respect. So it's grown up from from its early days in the 1960s to being you know the world's largest distributor of uh, published content anywhere in the world so you know a lot of people think about the end product being the print but really from our perspective it's just the end product in the journey of distribution so thirty-nine thousand outlets though to distribute to that that seems quite a phenomenal number who are those people 
So um, in that, that's anybody who has a relationship with us. So that could be, um, you know, a big chain like Barnes & Noble. It could be um, Waterstones. It could be a local store. It could be another another wholesaler. So, um, you know, wholesalers trade with each other. So in the UK, we have relationships with gardeners and we have relationships with Bertrams, for example. So they trade with us um, as well as libraries. So it's, it really... It, it, Ranges from uh, libraries, so Ingram in the US, for example, has a huge network of, of public libraries they connect with. In the UK, we have strong relationships with independent bookstores, chains, as well as the local wholesalers, which I mentioned previously. And it could be online retailers, so the big the big ones that people will be familiar with, we connect with, as well as those that aren't as familiar. So that, that would range from, you know, bookstores to wholesalers to libraries, uh, to the, the you know the ecosystem of, of, of the wholesale uh, industry really which uh, Ingram connects you to that's a phenomenal uh, size of network I just want to ask you about the lightning source a little bit if I may I actually spoke to an independent author she, she'd been an independent publishing for, for a number of years longer than I have and she actually told me oh, I'm, I'm with lightning source rather than um, Ingram Spark, which I found interesting. So how will her experience differ to somebody like mine? Yeah, again, good question. So um, so in terms of the similarities, you know, the file would be treated identical. The distribution reach is identical. The machines and the operations in which the product is printed on is identical. So in that respect, there's no difference. Where it becomes Where it becomes slightly different is Ingram Spark can handle... Um, ebook distribution using an engine called Core Source, which is a separate product to Lightning Source. So um, the, the, the obvious thing that, that Ingram Spark can do, which Lightning Source can't, is handle full ebook distribution. You know, to Kobo, Apple, uh, Amazon, the, the main players, and many others. Lightning Source can't do that. Now, um, Ingram Spark is geared more towards an independent author, independent publisher. So you will find it more intuitive to use than Lightning Source. Although Lightning Source has actually uh, taken a lot of the lessons from Ingram Spark. So, um, you know, the, the, the distinction between the two is becoming less obvious. Uh, um, you know, Lightning Source can work with third party distributors and, third, you know, in that complex arrangement, which you're unlikely to need if you're an Ingram from Spark customer, so it, it can handle some of the more co complex operational things that, um, that a larger publisher would need. But in terms of how the file is kind of generated, created, printed in, in the print in the print respect, it's identical. There's no differentiation between you know a, an order received from Ingram Spark and an order received from Lightning Source. Now, from my point of view as an indie author and having listened to the sage advice that's out there online. It seems to be when you're when you're publishing physical books, it seems to be a two horse race to me. I think accepted wisdom is it's going to be Ingram Spark and or Create Space. So, so what is the difference between those two options? So Create Space is um, is the Amazon um, you know service. So what some authors and some um, advisory associations do. Um, recommend um, is that you know sometimes authors will place their title with Create Space for the Amazon only distribution, and then they'll use Ingram Spark for uh, for, for everything else. Um, 
Now, if if you're as an author or an indie publisher, and that's something you're interested in doing, the only thing you need to remember not to do if you're in CreateSpace is is select the extended or expanded distribution service, because that file would be um, fulfilled by by, um, by by Ingram. So. That's just something to bear in mind. Um, the advantages of doing both, or the advantage of Lightning of, of the Ingram Smart Platform, is really you can print, uh, you know, your short run orders or your customer orders closest to where the customer is. So we, um, you know, for example, in Lightning Source or Ingram Smart UK, I should say, we don't print um, books for Create Space. So if you if you were in Ingram Spark and you were based in Europe. You could have the the books printed uh, in Milton Keynes, and we could send them to the customer. And we could also print it more local to the customer. So if you're an Ingram Spark and you uh, a retailer or a wholesaler wanted to buy your your book in in the UK, we would print it in the UK. Where if they were based in the US or in Australia, we can print it in either either one of those locations, and and we would print it closest to where the customer is. It's interesting you say that because the first books that I listed on both CreateSpace and Ingram Spark, my motivation was, like most indie authors, I think, to get them into into conventional bookshops and libraries. But I made exactly the mistake that you warned us about not to do there, which is I put them on CreateSpace on expanded distribution and then got into the knot, the resulting knot that follows when you move on to um, Ingram Spark. And it, it does cause a few logistical problems i think doesn't it it does yeah and that's that's something that um i know that people like you know organizations like the alliance of independent authors are very good at kind of advising people around and so a number of you know well-known bloggers that kind of walk people through the process so if that's something you know publishers or authors are interested in then do look out for those kind of you know tips and tricks on how to kind of navigate around the two um i think the main reason why people do this is the, the perception is that if if they go direct with create space for that um they they seem to to benefit from some of the additional services that amazon provide um but you know a simple i say a simple way around it would be just have you filing one location um but yeah there is there is i think there are pros and cons of doing both depending on what you know what your needs are so let's dig into the ingram spark process then i've written my first novel and i'm ready to upload it to your system is it as simple as needing to have a microsoft doc file is it that easy or or do you need a slightly different file type it it is slightly different because um you know we are set up for kind of the publisher distribution network we need a few things um we need the book in a print ready um format so that would be uh, as you'll know from doing this before you, you, it's the, there's two files is the exterior file and the interior file and that would be in a print pdf format so we have um some support tools to help authors and publishers with that we've got a um a cover cover a template that, that can support um you know getting the, the the trim sizes correctly depending on which trim size you choose but we require it in that format and if you're looking to sell these books into the channels um you do require an isbn um so if you're based in the uk for example nielsen uh, would provide that in the us it's bowker and different countries will have different isbn agencies now if if you had 
if you didn't want to sell them in the channels and you just wanted to, you know, print a hundred copies and have them for 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 your own distribution, and uh, you wouldn't need an ISBN. But if you want to sell those titles um, in the channels, then you you do need an ISBN. And we always encourage um, authors and publishers to own their own ISBN. Um, and also have you know you, it gives you the flexibility of having your own publishing label. So you could you know you could in, in, in the same way that you know recording artists publish under their own recording label and have a different brand and identity for that. Um, you can do the same in publishing. You can have your own publishing uh, uh, business, your own brand. You can publish under that brand. You can bring other authors in who you you know. Um, respect in the same genre or style as you and we have a number of authors who've done that through collectives but um, by owning your by owning your ISBN it gives you a lot more freedom in terms of you know branding and identity of, of you as an author and a publisher. I think that's another interesting point because when, when I did it the first time it's always very attractive because CreateSpace has built-in ISBNs uh, but it's like we get into the question that is when is an ISBN not an ISBN and, and actually as you say you need to buy your own ISBNs really and I wish that's something I'd done from the start actually and it's surprisingly easy I went to Nielsen UK I got a job lot of 10 they came on a spreadsheet and it's very um, straightforward actually I, you know I think it it put me off the thought of it but all of this stuff's much easier than you think. So the, yeah two things uh, Nielsen yeah you can do that now I think the they now have a service where you can buy the ISBNs online where you don't need to fill a form. And I think they've added some new functionality in the last couple of months. Um, but, yeah, the difference between owning your own ISBN and, and, and having a free ISBN is, is, is quite an important one. Uh, um, you know, if you use another person's ISBN or another organization's free ISBN, essentially in terms of the way that goes out into the market through the mail, metadata through the way that wholesalers and retailers identify you you are essentially um you will be identified under that company's isbn so if you use a particular organization's isbn you will come up in the feed as that particular you know organization um in terms of who you're printing under um so by having your own isbn it gives you the freedom of um well I mean, it obviously depends on what, what your objectives are, but it, it gives you the freedom to build a, a publishing brand that you can kind of, you know, work content around. So we, we've, ha we've had a number of very successful self-publishers and authors who've formed collectives. So they, they, they publish under a collective brand and a collective publishing wing. And then they, you know, they have a consistent policy in terms of, you know, the genre, the, the writing style, the quality that they're aiming to kind of attract. And what, what that helps do, it helps them establish a brand in which they're, they're, they're known as, you know, of high quality content. The, the other thing to, to know if you, ha if you own your own ISBN um, is there's no obvious way in, in some respects of, ha of, the, of the book buying community knowing yourself published. Um, where if you use a, a third party's ISBN, in most cases it's fairly obvious that the title is likely to be self-published because it'd come under that same imprint. Where if you own your own ISBN, you you you, you don't you know, for example, if your name's A A J Smith or something, your publishing imprint could be something very different. It doesn't have to be the same name as the author. 
and therefore you know you can you know you can appear and and be an independent publisher and i think that's the main thing we don't you know in in terms of ingram spark and and, and, and also enlightening source we don't ne- we don't make the distinction between a self publisher and an independent publisher and a you know a traditional publisher from our perspective the content is is treated the same um you know ingram is a, is is one of the world's largest wholesalers one of the um ordering tools that retailers use to buy books um from ingram is is ipage and if your books are ordered through ipage by a retailer um there's no obvious way you would know that that particular book is self published especially if you've owned your own isbn because because you know you and, and you know you have a, a you know you, you've invested in in the blurb, the copy, and the jacket looks professional. There's no obvious way, uh, way of a of a wholesaler or a retailer knowing that it's a self published book. When I used Ingram Spark, I ran into technical issues, and I, I'm quite a techie guy. But I ran into something called embedded fonts, which I'd never heard of before. I, I, as far as I knew, you just uploaded a PDF and off you went. But you you rejected the file because of this thing called embedded um, fonts. Can you just talk us through that? I know more about it than I ever wanted to know now. But could you just talk it through for people who aren't familiar? Yeah. So this is more of a, our, our technical requirement. So. And it's something we we are looking at um, as well. So essentially, in terms of the the, diff, the, the embedded font um, with files, the, you know, we are aware there are some companies that operate that have software that do the embedding process prior to the file going to the to the printer. Um, what currently we require that the, the file to come to us with embedded fonts. Um, and primarily, um, the reason for that is, it is it, you know, in terms of the quality of the printing, it isn't compromised, you know, by having a um, by by having the, the fonts uh, embedded. Also, it gives us uh, assurance that the the fonts that the publishers used are not um, they have permission to use them. So if we um, we take the file that they're embedded, uh, you know, certain font styles are um, are copyrighted so one of the things that we require uh, currently is that the fonts are embedded um, that gives the you know the most optimal kind of output in terms of printing quality but like like i mentioned we are aware that you know there are there is software and there's technology out there that's that's making this process much easier to use and that's something that we are looking into um but it is something that you know is a requirement um currently for, for both lightning source and ingram spark my perception when i got my books from ingram spark was that your um, quality was possibly slightly higher i thought than than create space I, I don't know whether that's the case you, you probably know more about this than i do is it higher quality do you use a different paper um well i mean it's difficult to to i mean it's difficult to answer that specifically because we're not i'm not 100 percent certain what papers or printers the other organizations use but one of the things that um you know lightning source and, and, and part of that spark are, are, are pioneers of in terms of print on demand is, is is some of the latest technology that we're using and that um there's kind of three parts to that there's the printer and one of the the, the leading kind of um technologies in print on demand is inkjet so the older technology used by some some organizations is toner 
uh, toner printers. Um, that is something that we're phasing out. We, we're, we're investing more in inkjet technology. We think it, it gives a, a better product. Um, the second part of that is the inks, and that's something that the manufacturers are improving all the time in terms of the blackness of the black and the magentas and the different kind of spectrums of the colours. And then the third part is the actual papers. So the paper manufacturers are now producing papers that are more adaptive to print-on-demand um, print, uh, print, printing techniques. So as print-on-demand as a, as a printing output has um, increased in the industry, um, the manufacturers are starting to invest a lot in R&D in terms of the inks and the different qualities of the papers, and we're seeing the benefit of that. Um, now, it's difficult to know other companies and what they use, but um, you know the feedback we've had is is that in terms of print on demand the quality is is the, you know some of the best out there that, that can be achieved um you know we, we don't do offset printing which is quite interesting we don't do we specifically don't do traditional kind of offset print runs everything we use in uh, ingram spark is through uh, print on demand technology one of the negatives I did experience using CreateSpace in actual fact, and I think many indie authors will say this, is when you want to see a proof copy of your book, it has to come from the States. It doesn't come from the UK. It costs a fortune to get them sent over, particularly if you want it quickly rather than having to wait three weeks for it. Now, again, this is an advantage with Ingram Spark is that uh, I think you've already explained why this is because you're dispatching from the UK. I can get one much cheaper um, from you and just to check the thing through. Is, is this feedback you often hear from people? Uh yeah, this, this is this is something that we we get consistently. They like the fact that they can get their proofs, you know, quickly, uh, depending on their location. So um, equally, if if we have you know we have customers in in Sydney and Melbourne, and we can print it in in, in the same way in Australia and and uh, and in the US. In fact, we have several print on demand um, facilities throughout the US. So um, we generally print the the, the the you know the proof. From the nearest state from where the customer is so that that helps in terms of um in terms of the cost of um the cost of um postage but also it means we can we can generally get the the, the book to the to the customer much quicker as well yeah and, and cheaply i mean if you want if you want a book within seven days you're you're paying a lot of money for it from the states it's mm. uh, it's quite a big deal especially if you've spot one mistake I have to put it right and order another one you know it, it the, the money soon um picks up quite a lot whereas with ingram it, it's it's always local postage rates it's always a lot cheaper so that, that is a big advantage from my point of view um i do want to burrow into one of the reasons why i took my books off ingram spark it's not actually ingram spark's fault it, it's more an, an industry um, issue i think when i when i listed on ingram spark my, my aim like many indie authors was to try and get my books where people would stop them in the local bookshop i wanted to see it on the shelves of the local bookshop like everybody does um but this surprised me number one um you, you're expected to offer discounts up to 55 I think I've got that right. It's pretty, pretty high. What, uh, is that right, 55? And, and why is that? Um, so, yeah, 55% is optimal for, for, for kind of trade publishing. Um, you know, we advise that um, publishers, um, you know, experiment with this. And there's 
no there's no one rule that fits all so you may find that offering a, le- a lower discount doesn't really affect your retail or wholesale sales much in terms of um you know if you went down to 40 percent, for example um in terms of why that's required i mean it's it's generally seen that it's a rule of thumb that the more you the more you expect a bookstore to be the driver of the sale, the higher the discount tends to be. So discount levels of upwards of fifty percent are not uncommon in the in the general industry in terms of you know what what a typical bookstore might take for a you know a trade a trade book. Um, you know there are many way there are many things that we well there are a few things that we're doing which I can come on to in in a while. But there are there are other things that you know authors can do to support the sales of books. So we have, we've had a lot of um, successful authors who have had you know who have close relationships with their local bookstore and they've been able to do book signings or or they've been able to do book talks in their local store. And uh, where they've you know where they've been able to do that, um, often they, they've negotiated a lower discount because it's the author. That, that's actively driving the traffic and the and the business for the for the actual bookstore. Um, I mean, in terms of the discounts, I guess it it's really a, a supply and demand, um, you know, challenge, drug opportunity because you know a typical wholesaler, a typical bookstore, a, a, you know, have lots of opportunities to buy books at a higher discount, um, and therefore the perception is the more discount that you give. Uh, the higher the opportunities are for the independent publisher. Now, that may not always be the case, especially if you're very active in terms of marketing. Um, I mean, generally, a bookstore, whether it's physical or retail, uh, sorry, physical or, or online, uh, will, will fulfil orders. They may not, they may not be stocking the books for for the shelf, but they may fulfil orders as customers require request them, whether that's an online purchase. Or whether it's somebody walking into a store and asking for them to order the book for them. Um, so, in terms of what we're doing to support this, um, we are launching um, a, a new service um, that's coming um, by the late late part of this year, early part of next year, where we're launching iPage in the UK market. So, iPage is the ordering tool for Ingram. So, currently, a bookstore in the UK. Uh, who wants to order your books directly would typically have a direct relationship with Lightning Source. Um, what iPage does is it's a more intuitive, um, user-friendly tool in order to order books, um, and you can trade directly um, through that through through that channel uh, through that route, I should say. And that's something we're looking at launching uh, imminently. And to support that, we are we are going to um, also launch a trade catalogue that's going to go to bookstores. So there's around 900 bookstores in the UK. Our intention is to include trade catalogues, uh, a trade catalogue with titles of Ingram Spark and Lightning Source titles in there. And the way that we're going to make the selection is we're going to, and, and we're, there's going to be some communication going out um, to our Lightning Ingram Spark customers. We're, we're trying to encourage the authors and independent publishers to publish their titles in alignment with the way the bookselling community buys books. Um, and often that's very much like the fashion world. They're always buying for the next season. 
So one of the things that we've added recently in Ingram Spark um, is you can set a pre-publication date. So if your file is ready to go, um, rather than setting the the, the date uh, the date of today, for example, if the book was ready, you can what you can do you can delay the publication and set a future date. Uh, what that allows us to do it allows us to communicate that book to the book buying community through our metadata feeds. But it also allows the book buying community to, to purchase the book in advance of, of, uh, of the book publishing, uh, a pre-publication date. So we're going to select titles um, based on that, that, you know, a three to four month window before publication. And those publishers that do that will feature them um, well, where we can. We can't guarantee with certain books that we might not want to select, but where we can, we'll will feature them in a catalogue that's going to go to the um, book trade community in the UK. Um, but the main thing that, that, that catches independent authors out particularly is, um, is is how book buyers generally buy books. Now, it's, it's less relevant for the online retail community because it's more of an impulse purchase. If you want the book, you want the book and you want it you know, now. But generally, a bookstore... Um, uh, is thinking, you know, at least usually three months in advance of publication. So what what often happens is if um, an independent author, you know, their file is ready, let's say on the 1st of October, and they immediately publish their book on the 1st of October, that window of opportunity might is likely to have been three months prior uh, to that publication date. So we're... we're trying to encourage more independent authors to think a bit like a bookseller would would typically buy books and and it it, it can be frustrating because you you've, you've written your book you've got it ready and then we're asking people to wait you know 3 months before um before we start selling it but what that allows us to do it allows us to to take the metadata and communicate it to the book buying community ahead of schedule and and really to align it to the to, to the same kind of frequency in which the book buying community purchase books which is typically three months ahead of publication i think that's a really uh, interesting concept and frankly as an independent author anything that helps me to shift books and get them into more hands that's always going to be uh, good news we, we started here talking about the 55 percent discounting i wanted mm -hmm. to mention to you also that we also have this um, when we're involved in this process, we also have this sale or return um, option where um, I think that, you know, somebody could buy 10 books off me, for instance, maybe sell, not sell nine of them. And then uh, I think I take the hit financially if those are returned. Can you just make sure I've got that straight? Is, is that how it works? Uh, yeah. So in in, uh, in Ingram Spark, you've got two main options. You've got a no return policy or we strongly advise, certainly outside North America, that a return and destroy. So, um, because we everything we do operates through a print-on-demand process, we don't have physical. We don't currently have a physical warehouse to store books. So that's the option if you want to return the book. Um, it's really, I mean, it's a legacy that that dates back to how book buying has been done. So, a general retailer who's looking to stock a book wants the ability to return the book should the book not sell and 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 it's a challenge between you know that where the industry is going in terms of more 
independent authors, independent publishers who, who don't want to carry that risks, risk to what's been traditionally the case by the book buying community. So, theory, you know, you're right in terms of you're, you're carrying the risk if you select returns. Um, you know, obviously, you, you, the, uh, the the main risk is the print cost that you would have carried um and theoretically there is a, a risk that you know many books can be re returned however um you know where we where where publishers have selected the returns option you know we aren't seeing any evidence of, of book buyers buying large quantities of um of books only to return them you know very shortly after because it's not it's not in their interest in fact, the, the book buying community is moving much closer to the on-demand model where they're buying um, just enough quantities to cover their requirements. And uh, I was actually speaking to a book buyer in Waterstones recently, and they've you know they've said you know they've mentioned that their returns you know now versus what where they might have been 10, 15 years ago are drastically down because they're they're looking to kind of you know, much smarter processes in terms of their returns policy because it isn't in the in the bookstores interest, you know, to, to buy large quantities of books only to, to have them return. It's a waste of their time and obviously it's a waste of the publisher's money in terms of the the way the returns process works. But yeah, those are the two options. Um and in terms of the demand the demand for the book, obviously having the returns option will help but it also depends on what type of book you're um you're publishing and, and going back to your question around the 55 percent you know that is the optimal higher end discount for a trade book um but if you're publishing you know an academic or a textbook and you're driving the demand through adoptions through schools and universities or colleges then much lower discounts are are, are acceptable you know 30 35 percent in some cases um so you, you know in I, I would always advise to you know authors publishers to experiment what's optimal for them 55 percent may be too high for their publishing portfolio and then may find that they make just as many sales on 40 percent um so, so you know don't i don't feel that 55 percent is, is is you have to go go that high you can you can try and experiment for a few months on a lower discount if you have the nerve then do you know do try uh, returns and, and see if that makes a difference and you have the option of switching that off should should that be required but yeah that there is there is the option of returns which is unusual for the service that ingram spark offers many of the other companies that provide a similar service don't have that returnability option um but it is something increase it is something that that general book buyers like to have the option for so there is that kind of risk reward calculation that you need to kind of factor in yeah and for me it was i i was there saying okay what what's a reasonable price i can sell this this paperback for and then if i apply a discount what profit then does that leave me with and and, and yep. i just found that it got so squeezed in the end that to be honest with you it, it was barely worth it bearing in mind that i then had evidence to show that I, actually I shifted more ebooks and I may make more money out of an ebook that that was where I was with it really yeah I mean 
that that is something. So in terms of um, in terms of you know in, improving the publisher return or publisher compensation, you know the options would be you know the two two main variables. Obviously, increase the price, which could which you don't want to do if you if it's going to price you out of the market. Lower your discount and try and find the optimal discount. And the other thing is to you know where we we've seen publishers do these really large novels that are five six hundred pages. What some of the authors have decided to do now as part of their creative processes is look at dividing the book into two parts. So you know they they they, they make sure the books you know stick to a print a page run of three hundred and, and then there's part two that accompanies it. And we've had some real success stories of, of authors doing that where they've. Um, you know they, they've kept their trim size to a reasonable level. You know they've not used color where they don't need to, or if they've used color, they use our standard color, which is inkjet. And um, by doing that, those two things, they've, they've managed to you know imp- get a better return on their investment. Um, the other thing is, is, yeah, bearing in mind that you know the main factors that are going to influence the price of the print is going to be the number of pages whether you opt for colour or not, and obviously the price that you set the discount, uh, the, the book at and the discount. So it, it's trying to get the balance right for, for, for what your objectives are. And there's no one rule that, that, that's right for everybody. Uh, of course, if it's an academic book, it can usually carry a higher list price. So therefore, it's less of an issue where if it's a trade book, um, you know, you, having the book into two parts might help keep the print costs down to a reasonable size and also give you the opportunity to sell the the second part of the book um, at a later point now that 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 won't be the right strategy for everybody of, of course but that is that is that those are some of the strategies that um, independent authors have used previously in the long term then do you think that uh, ebooks are going to become the most profitable options for everybody and, and do you think there's a future a long term future still for physical books um I, I do certainly think there's a future for physical books in in terms of the you know the question about profitability um and return i think it depends on what, what genre that you uh, that you publish in so for example we know um in terms of children's publishing Actually, uh, ebooks isn't a very popular format, and, and actually, print is is growing, not declining. Um, you know, that's not true for some other genres like thrillers and and, and romance. Um, but I, I think there's there's room for both both to exist. In terms of you know, going back to the question about profitability, again, if if you um, if you're a publisher of, and we have a lot of self publishers in this area of textbooks or academic uh, academic work they, that can carry a much higher list price and therefore it's far more profitable per t- per sale um even though you probably you know are unlikely to make as many sales if if, if the market isn't as big um but i think you know it it, it very much depends on the genre you're publishing i mean certainly that the the, uh, the independent authors who um you know who who attract a lot of the media attention for bringing in six-figure salaries do so through the medium of e-books um, but it tends to be in the topic or subject matter that's very very popular for e- for, 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 uh, for the e-book format um, we, we also have to recognize that uh, in many countries e-books aren't a popular 
um, format. So it's the very it's very popular in the U in the US. It's, that's the biggest market. Um, the the I believe the UK is second, and then I, I believe it's Germany third. But really, once you go beyond the top five, um, you, you know, and this may change. I mean, as technology uh, changes, as as um, readers become more digitally savvy, this may change. But at the moment, beyond the top five countries, um, print is very much the dominant kind of format for readers. One of the things we should say, because we haven't discussed this yet, is that actually with Ingram Spark, you, there is a digital format option. Uh, I'm sure I remember that. Isn't there just a little button you can click? Yeah, so um, when you're in the Ingram Spark platform, you have uh, two options, or well, three really. Um, you can have it print only, distributed for print only, um, E only, and uh, E and P. Um, so... The engine that, that drives the uh, the e component of Spark is um, a service called CoreSource, which we uh, offer to a lot of the larger publishers. Um, CoreSource is a without going into too much detail, it's a digital asset management solution for the the large publishers. Um, so a lot of the well known names uh, that people will be familiar with use CoreSource. Um, but what the other thing that that does, we have a a feature called CoreSource Plus, which basically connects the book to all the channels that we have a distribution ar arrangement with. And essentially, Ingram Spark uses that same technology. So um, it connects it to all the all the recognized uh, platforms um, readers will be familiar with, Kobo, Apple, Amazon. But it also connects with a lot of um, the library ebook formats um, and some that, that, that you know um, readers may not be aware of because um, it has to go to a lot of the smaller independent ones as part of the agreement we need in terms of servicing um, both our small independent publishers but also our large multinationals. Well we talked about having um, paperback books at Ingram Spark uh, and in CreateSpace you talked about the importance of not checking the expanded distribution box in create space is there a similar thing we need to be aware of if we list our ebook through you to make sure that it, it filters through the channels correctly or is 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 your distribution does it avoid amazon altogether it, it doesn't avoid it so but there is an option within uh, ingram spark where you can opt out of um your amazon distribution if that's something that you want to arrange separately um, I believe with that scenario, rather than opting out of um, another partner's distribution model, it would be us that you would, you would that we would remove um, Amazon Kindle for that from that from that platform. So that is, that is a feature that, that um, um, you know independent uh, authors can, can can take advantage of. So you, you could, in theory, use. Go direct with Amazon for your ebook and use um, Ingram Spark for everything else in the same way that, that many of the um, independent authors do for print. There's something else that we haven't discussed yet, and that is uh, hardbacks, graphic novels, and illustrated books. And, and this, I guess, uh, uh, you've mentioned children's books, but I guess this includes children's books as well. Does, does Ingram Spark deal with that? Because that's a whole different ball game altogether, isn't it, with illustrations? We do, and it's a, it's an increasingly popular format. Uh, in fact, next year we we are to support this format. We're going to introduce landscape books um, to 
to, to, because we've noticed a huge kind of growth in areas like children's publishing and graphic novels. Uh, and actually, graphic novels is an interesting one because it, particularly the types of illustrations that are used, it's one that, that you know, does very well with inkjet colour, which is the, the more affordable colour option in print-on-demand. Um, you know, we, we've noticed a, you know, very little difference between what we would inter- call premium colour versus standard colour. When we're talking about graphic novels, it, it becomes more of an issue when we're talking about um, actual photographs. But for graphic novels, um, inkjet colour does very well in that format. So as as a result, it's been very popular. And can you make um, you know? Can you make a profit from it? We, 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 I know I keep going back to this, but but with presumably it costs more to produce if you're using colour and if you you know you're using something fancier. Is it still profitable? Again, it, it depends on the genre, but I mean, one of the advantages of inkjet colour is, uh, there's, there's, I mean, it is more expensive than black and white, but it's not significantly more expensive than black and white. And I think it's, a, I mean, I, I think it's around 20, 25 percent difference. Um, but when you go into premium colour, um, that's when it become it can become more expensive, um, and, it, and it can be more of a challenge. So uh, some uh, some independent authors will do um you know limited editions on hardback and have a a, a premium price for that um others will opt for the inkjet in order to get the price points down Uh, i think the main thing with inkjet technology is uh, um you know ingram are uh, pioneers in in this in investing in this technology but the manufacturers as well i think as i mentioned previously are um experimenting all the time in in terms of different types of inks and also different types of paper that can react better to the you know the water-based ink i always uh, find it exciting when i hear companies talking about innovation and you know moving with the times and moving with the changing environment that we're working in as indie authors so so what else does ingram spark have planned for the future um, yes, yeah, so a number of a number of things coming up, um, which would be de- of interest. Um, so I mentioned landscape books. That's coming. Um, I, I don't have a definitive date, but we're looking at the early part of next year. So that'll be very popular, especially with our children, um, children's authors. Um, we also have a new um, bit of technology that we're going to integrate into Ingram Spark um, called Aereo. And uh, this is a, a business that Ingram acquired about a year ago. And what it allows you to do, it allows you and and really anybody um, to become a, a bookseller. So, for example, it, it works on uh, as a little bit of code like a widget that you can apply to your social media, and you can sell directly, not just in e, but also in in print format. So the idea would be if you had a, a following of readers and you had a you know, a Twitter account, Facebook, YouTube, um, you could sell directly, and, you know, you could make more of a margin, you could, you know, provide more of a discount, or you could, you know, apply a formula somewhere in between. And what that would do, it, it would allow you to become the, um, the the bookstore for your own book. So, you know, if, if it's an order, it, the order would come through to Ingram in the way that a traditional retailer would take orders, but it, we would be able to fulfill it through print on demand and, and rather than send it back to you for fulfillment we could send it directly to the reader and then you know you'd earn your publisher compensation in the same way 
but as you're uh, both the author and the uh, retailer, you would make more of a margin. So that that would help address some of the um, you know return on investment uh, challenges that you mentioned previously. That's an interesting one, and that's going to be um, cut and paste effectively, is it? You know, into your blog or your website. Yeah, I mean, is is new and i haven't seen the full functionality um of the uh technology yet but the the concept will be um you can basically a, apply a code to either your website or to any part of your social media and start selling direct um there's two kind of key uh, areas where this will help first of all it would help obviously authors um you know sell directly to their consumers but it also allows non-traditional bookstores to to uh, exist where they may not otherwise. So, for example, you know, if, if you're a um, if you're a retailer of wine, for example, and you you know your main trade is is um, isn't books, but is of a more liquid variety of, of, of relaxation, then you you know you could um, use the technology to sell uh, books around the areas that your that your readers that your uh, customers are inter- interested in. So you could. You could sell books on, on particular vintages of wine, or you could you, you could uh, explore the entire Ingram catalogue and select books that, that, that fit the demographic of your customers. And that's quite exciting because what that allows uh, that what that will do it, it'll allow people to to sell books in a very cost cost efficient way. So it won't you won't you know you won't need a warehouse, you won't need you know an inventory management solution. You can simply uh, um, use the technology to uh, to sell, you know, specialist books or general books, whatever is, you know, gut, for example, garden centres could use it to sell gardening books, uh, things like that. So that that there's kind of a dual benefit in the in the um, in you know in both the re- retail and and the readership community, in the sense that it would allow retailers um, it would allow retailers to sell books that may not otherwise do so, but it also allows authors and independent publishers to um, sell their content direct with with very little uh, overhead you know I, I, I this is quite exciting I think for independent booksellers who and bookstores who maybe struggle to come up with the web presence say that somebody like Waterstones or or WH Smith or even Amazon can boast you know for instance I know local bookshops that have what I would call pretty dodgy online shop fronts I mean presumably that's good to help them and and it's not it's kind of it's from the same suppliers, isn't it, that they would normally use? Yeah, so the, the, the two main advantages it would have is um, it would allow independent retailers to order direct, um, to order their content more directly rather than through kind of using a third-party uh, supplier. But because the, the technology allows the retailer to connect their readers, uh, sorry, their customers with the content, it allows them to get the book in the hands of the customers more quickly so if you look at a traditional kind of third-party wholesale arrangement what would what would typically happen is uh, this is assuming a retailer isn't coming directly from to ingram they would order through you know usually a a third-party wholesaler that third-party wholesaler would then supply would send that order to to ingram or lightning source and then that book would would travel all the way to that distribution center for that to be fulfilled and then sent on to the customer with this arrangement um 
you know, the customer's details could go direct and we could supply the reader directly. So, it, I mean, in theory, um, it wouldn't even need to go to the to the retailer who's making the purchase, uh, who's fulfilling the purchase. It, it would it, it go directly to the customer's, you know, home address. It's a really interesting concept. I should keep my eyes open for that. Uh, the the um, other thing I've noticed with uh, Ingram Spark uh, more recently is you seem to be, I don't know whether this is true, you might have been doing this all the time, but you seem to be beefing up your kind of educational content, ed- educating um, indie authors. I, I know you've always done that, and maybe I've just become more aware of it recently. Is that is that important for you in, in terms of indies getting engaged with you as a business? Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it is it's something that we've done more recently, actually. Um, I mean, to, to some degree, we've always been involved in, in that kind of thought leadership. But um, certainly, you know, in, in the past uh, 12 to 24 months, we've, we've definitely increased that. And we're starting to bring in our experts uh, to help in terms of metadata um, or in terms of file creation. Um, we, we, we also bring in experts who don't work for Ingram, um, you know, advising on specific areas, and that that is a a key a key kind of transition. I, I think certainly internationally, where we start starting to uh, see our role as more as thought leaders in particular areas and 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 a source that people can get advice on. So you'll note, as you I'm sure you read, many of the pieces aren't you know um, unique to using Ingram. Some of the advice you know has value um, generically, whether you're using it you know. An Ingram platform or not? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it has wide value. I think you know, I'm getting value from it whether I use Ingram or not, and that was what was interesting me. Uh, but I think that gives you a really interesting position in, in the indie marketplace. In actual fact, as you said, as a as a thought leader, as just a source of of great information. Um, so we should say then, and we should finish on this. Where, where can we find all of this information? Where are the best places to interact with you online? Yeah. So um, it, in terms of Ingram Spark, you can register with. Our, uh, we have a, a newsletter that um, I think is now it's gone as regular as a monthly newsletter, so that would definitely be a good source in terms of keeping up to date with the new services that we bring on board. So, of course, Aereo when that goes live will be a key one, and um, and obviously the landscape formats and any kind of new trim sizes or new offerings that we we take to market that would be a, a core kind of uh, route in terms of finding that information. We also have quite an active um, presence online, so you can find um, Ingram Spark on the usual social media sites, Twitter, Facebook, um, we also, and we also have a YouTube cha- channel. So th- those are the things that would um, would be an obvious kind of sign up if people you know, want to make sure they get the latest information. Thank you for listening to this week's Self-Publishing Journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.